kananga oyamba toi cheveux crépus ba toi mayele bo simba ni babige oya bilanga bo simba ni bakongo simba ni maboko monguna le kate o afrika malobate mon salande muindo yangolo afrika mobali ya mingao afrika Welcome to Congo Live, the authentic voice of the Congolese people in America. I'm your host, Patricia Lokwa. We are live for your listeners and for our new listeners, welcome. Welcome to Congo Live. And we have our co-host, Kambale Musavuli, who's back. Welcome back, Kambale. How are you doing today? Doing, doing very, very, very happy, very well. I'm glad to be back. So, can you share with us, where were you all this time? I was actually hiding in India. Um, all jokes aside, I spent some time in India for about five weeks. Mm-hmm. I had an opportunity uh, to meet the people in India, meet some of the Africans uh, who are in India, as, as African students in particular. Did you know that we have 10,000 African students across India? So it was exciting to see them there. And did you get to see any influences of Congo while you were in India? It was interesting. There is actually a, an individual with my name, uh, similar to my name. They call him Kambale. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Kambale. And uh, I met a few Indians who were telling me, oh, there is a cricket player with your name here. So it was quite interesting to see that. Um, but I love the people of India. I love uh, the food is very spicy, but I, I love the culture and the openness and the hospitality of the people who gre- uh, greet me while I was there. So I really enjoyed my time in India. Well, we're definitely glad that you're back uh, in the studio with us today. We have a fantastic show for our listeners, a conversation with the journalist and filmmaker Sarah Kazadi. We will discuss her multimedia career, her experience as a Congolese woman in media, and her upcoming film on the Congolese youth civic engagement. Kambali will share with us the upcoming events of Congo in Harlem and Congo Week starting on the 18th of October of this year. And of course, he'll also share with us uh, the news. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I'm excited about Congo in Harlem. You know, Congo in Harlem is actually part of the large uh, global campaign that's called Congo Week. It takes place every third week of October. Uh, right now, uh, for this year, it's going to take place from October 18 to uh, October 24th. We have faith groups, laborers, students, technologists, intellectuals all participating. Uh, we already have countries such as Australia, India, Switzerland, Costa Rica, South Africa already confirmed to participate. And across the United States, uh, in some of the states, uh, we will have information um, in, in future shows of where it's taking place. People can go to congoweek.org to see who's participating uh, this year and signing up. Now, for Congo in Harlem. No, Congo in Harlem is the celebration of Congo Week in New York City. Uh, this year, uh, it's a film uh, series. There will be Congolese films. There will be performance by Congolese artists. It's a way for the people of New York City to get a glimpse at the Congolese culture. Uh, this year, uh, we will show films about Dr. Mukwege, uh, who is a um, well-known, uh, twice nominated for a Nobel uh, Peace Prize for his work uh, in the eastern part of Congo at the Hospital Ponzi. So we show a film about him. There is another film called Elephant, 
uh, dream or show we, we are going to be showing, and many more films. To find out about the event for Congo in Harlem, um, the films that we're going to show, uh, you can go directly on congoinharlem.org uh, to stay updated. So we're very excited, and we hope our listeners also will participate in Congo Week this year. Well, I know I'll definitely be there for the opening night on October 18th, and I look forward to being part of such an amazing event. And for those who missed uh, or who didn't hear or didn't have an opportunity to catch some of the information, you want to go on www.congoweek.org, or you can call 202-584-6512, and you can, did I get it correctly, congoinharlem.org, is that correct? That's correct. All right, and if you can share with us the news of what's happening on the ground. A lot's happening politically. Uh, this week has been tremendous for the political landscape in Congo, where we saw the government of the President Kabila reshuffling uh, the minister's uh, office, uh, mainly because uh, there is a group called G7. Uh, it's a group of uh, seven political parties who have called on the president of the Congo to step down and to not run for a third term. So some of those ministers uh, who were part of that group were either removed from their offices and or resigned. Um, that caused a reshuffling in the government. Uh, we also saw something very uh, disturbing this week, where the Rwandan and uh, the Congolese government actually signed a security agreement uh, to go after a rebel group called the FDLR. Uh, for those who have followed the Congo for years, uh, we know that uh, this is not the first time this has happened. It's making quite a few people uh, worried about this, because for the past 20 years, uh, we've seen invasions and uh, military solutions that did not bring about peace in Congo. So Congolese are very suspicious about this agreement, and uh, some of the uh, observers of the situation are seeing this as an attempt by the current government to delay the election next year, uh, seeing that this could be a potential for uh, staying in power beyond 2016 by the president of the Congo, Kabila. So we want our listeners also to pay attention about the situation. Uh, the third one is around Moïse Katumbi. Moïse Katumbi is the governor uh, or the former governor of the uh, Katanga province, which has now been split into three provinces. Uh, this week, he has opened a Twitter which caused a discussion around if he will be running for president again, and there are information about how he, um, he has hired a U.S. lobby firm to be able to lobby uh, for him uh, for his run for president. And uh, four activists from the La Lucha group have been released. We've been talking about the youth leaders on the ground who have been uh, attacked or imprisoned uh, by the government. So four of them have been actually sentenced to six months in prison. Uh, we want to bring that up to our listeners as well, to know that the Congolese youth, as they engage in civic uh, actions, unfortunately, um, they're facing a brutal force that's either imprisoning them. So that is the news for today, and I look forward to having a discussion with our guest. Ils veulent te détruire et puis s'enfuir Mais ta joie de vivre va tout reconstruire 
Nalinga kayo international superstar Mahombi singing in Lingala in French. In this song, Mwana Congo, a Congo's child, Mahombi honors the land of his birth, Congo. Accompanied by his guitar, Mahombi describes the reality of Congolese people and gives a message of hope to his motherland, from whom music is a source of joy. And uh, Kambali, I'm sure, uh, is that one of your, I love this song. Uh, is this the first time you've heard this song? So, uh, this is not the first time. Uh, Mahombi is a a superstar that we follow very closely. He's a proud uh, son of the Congo, and his music, especially this one, um, Mwana Congo, kind of reminded many of Congolese of the hope uh, we have for a better Congo, and uh, and almost like re-energized the youth um, by him in his stature, uh, bringing up the Congo in his uh, art and his music. So speaking of Mwana Congo, we have Mwana Congo who's on the phone with us right now, Sarah Kazadi. How are you doing today, Mbote Nayo? Mbote, Mama. Thank you so much for having me. Sangonini, Sangonini. It's always a pleasure to have uh, somebody from our homeland on the phone sharing with us a little bit of their knowledge on the show. And if uh, Kambale, we're going to have a conversation with Sarah, but not a lot of people don't know who Sarah Kazadi is. If you can share her bio with our listeners before we continue with the show. And I look forward for our listeners to really getting to know this amazing and talented uh, journalist and filmmaker from the Congo who has done amazing work. Uh, she has an article uh, that I suggest our listener to read on the New York Times. She's written uh, for CBS Sports, Newsweek, and many other news outlets. Uh, she's worked on documentaries. And in the past few years, she has focused on covering stories in the United States, in Haiti, in Italy, and even all the way to Brazil. 
and our homeland, uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, this is where uh, we're really interested in hearing some of the, the uh, films that she's done. One of them is called Elikia, uh, that follows the story of young Congolese women uh, who are interested in basketball, who are basketball players, seeing basketball as a ticket uh, to a promised land, uh, to a better opportunities for them, um, themselves. And, a, and all the film on the Congo, uh, Telema is an upcoming film that looks into the role of the Congolese youth, uh, the role that they are playing in, in the 2016 uh, elections. And um, I'm sure she is going to share with us more and more about her career and uh, other upcoming projects she has. Welcome, uh, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, guys. Thank you. So you have quite an extensive bio. You, you're doing journalism. You're a filmmaker. You have a career in multimedia. And you're just, you know, you're all around woman. How are you able to accomplish all these things? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, when you put it that way, it seems a little bit daunting and overwhelming. <laughs> But, um, no, I mean, I just, I'm passionate about telling stories. I'm passionate about what I do. So it doesn't seem like a lot. It doesn't seem like a lot of work. I just want to be able to do as much as I possibly can for my country and for me to feel like I'm doing my part, you know. So whether that means, you know, writing articles or producing films, I'm just, I just want to continue to use all my powers for good. That's very beautiful to hear. And uh, you're currently working on Telema, the documentary on a role of Congolese youth in uh, the pivotal 2016 elections. And the first installment of the film will premiere at the 2015 Congo and Harlem Festival. What can you tell our listeners about uh, this documentary? Yeah, well, uh, Telema is all about, you know, the role that young people are playing right now and on the journey to the uh, 2016 presidential elections. And you know, I was just really moved by you know, young people my age or younger out there, you know, doing as much as they possibly can, putting their lives on the line and their freedom on the line for a better Congo. You know, I was really moved by that. And then I, I thought about, well, how, how can I help? What can I do? And, and, and I thought that the best thing to do is to tell this story. I want to tell it for my kids. I want to tell it for every person who's, um, who has any interest in the Congo. I think it's a story that needs to be told. Um, there are young people out there that are doing amazing work and that are fearless, and I'm moved by that, and that's basically what the film is about. Um, I plan on going back to Congo next year to um, you know, document what exactly they're going to be doing during the presidential elections, during that process. And, um, but I was, in, I was in Congo in June with a colleague, and we, mm. we put together this film um, that was going to premiere, like you said, uh, in Congo week, we put together this film to kind of set the stage, you know, give people an idea of what's happening in Congo, what's happening with the youth in Congo, just so that when we go back, people already have this um, in their minds. So it's in two parts. The first part is going to premiere in October, and I hope to go back next year to see this thing through. So I see uh, you calling your film Telema, and for our listeners that may not know uh, what it is, what does it really mean, and why did you choose the title? Yeah, Telema means stand up, and I I actually stole the title from the people. The Congolese people said, stand up, you know, we're going to fight in January. In January, I don't know if you guys are aware, I know that our two hosts are, but I don't know if all the listeners are aware, there um, was a massive uprising in the Congo um, for nearly a week in late January of this year, 
and it was fueled by obviously opposition leaders that called people to come out to the streets, but really fueled by the youth. Um, that those series of protests wouldn't have been what they were without the large involvement of the Congolese youth. So um, I remember scrolling through Twitter and seeing the hashtag Dilema and just being moved by that and seeing all the images that were coming out of Congo and just, um, you know, kind of just catching up on the news on the fly. The fact that it was happening so fast and on social media, um, Dilema just became this rallying cry. And I think I remember... Uh, Kambale telling me that it was uh, it was actually started by a, a friend of mine called Soraya, and um, Soraya, if you're listening, I, I basically stole that title. But I think it, it I think it um, just exemplifies you know young people willing to stand up and basically do their part. So that's what Dilema means. It means stand up. So um, as you share with us some of the realities of uh, what's happening in the Congo and you talk to some of these Congolese youth are in the Congo, what is the message that they have for us who, the, us who are in the outside and the diaspora and the community outside looking in? What is it that they need from us? Well, the message that they have is that, you know, they know that they have to play a big role in the upcoming elections. But they want people to know that they're not you know, out here helpless. They're working incredibly hard to change our country. You know, um, a lot of times you hear about the Congo and you hear all the bad, you know, and uh, the Congolese youth, I believe, is is a lot of good. It's a lot of um, resilience. It's a lot of ambition. It's a lot of um, just dynamic characters who are out here just trying to prove that there's there's a lot of good, solid work happening in Congo. And as far as, you know, what they want from people on the outside, they just want you to pay attention and to know and um, to, to also do your part. I think that um, what, what moved me the most from my trip was just to see how like, ambitious and resilient these young people are. And they're, I mean, most of them are not older than 25 years old, you know. And um, one of the main characters in our film, his name is Fred Bauma. He is a member of La Lucha, um, and he's imprisoned right now at Makala Prison, uh, he's, he just turned 25 years old. So he's one of the main voices in our film, and he's just, you know, a, an example of this um, fearless, I'm going to change my country by any means necessary um, kind, of, kind of guy, kind of people that, I've, that I had the privilege to meet. So It's yeah. definitely beautiful to hear that um, you have people in the Congo who are fighting for a voice. And as we are here outside in the USA, whether it be in Europe, we also are all trying to be part of that voice. Mm -hmm. And you seem to deal with a lot of youth in your filmmaking. I observed it when I viewed uh, Elikia, the first uh, short film that you did. Um, what are the differences between, uh, would you say, Elikia and Telema in terms of writing and logistics? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, Elikia was more of like a personal uh, story. I saw myself in the main character, um, Losmi. You know, Elikia was a story about young women using basketball as a ticket to a brighter future. Um, I felt like it was almost like a biography because I used basketball as a ticket to a um, brighter future as well. So, um, you know, I saw myself in these young women, but they're just so much cooler and so much more gifted than I am. And I was like, I thought it might be a cool idea to kind of um, track that journey of them, you know, using basketball to get a free education in the United States of America and adjusting to life in the U.S. You know, again, it's just a it's a reflection of um, what I what I my journey as well, being able to you know come to the U.S. at a young age, assimilate and just you know um, grow up here. So, Elika was more of a personal thing. Dilema is, 
you know, I, I feel like it's my duty to, after having the privilege to, you know, um, garner some of the skills that I've been able to garner, and, um, you know, after my parents sacrificing as much as they, they have for me to be in the position that I'm in, um, I feel like I need to be doing my part, you know. So I look at Telema as an opportunity for me to do my part, and, you know, it doesn't feel like work to me. It feels like, um, you know, just something that, is in my core and in my heart to do, you know. Um, so, yeah, so Telema is more about, you know, documenting a, re- a revolution, documenting a movement, whereas uh, Elikia was more of a personal uh, journey. Well, speaking of Elikia, and for our listeners who don't know what it means, it means hope. Uh, let's take a short musical break and listen to the song by Makoma, and uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> to Congo Live. This is your host, Patricia Loko. I'm on the phone with Kambale, my co-host, and Sarah Kazadi, who's sharing with us a little bit about her work and what she's doing currently in the Congo. And with our guests, we're learning a little bit more about her. We were just listening to Napisi, which means I give you a gospel song from a Congolese family band, the Makoma, whose lead artist, Natalie Makoma, has become a European sensation. In this song, the Makoma band sings about uh, Elikia, mainly we're talking about Elikia with you, Sarah, Elikia meaning hope, that gives the creator times of uh, uncertainty, gives us hope within him. Uh, speaking of Elikia, and you were just sharing with some of our listeners, that was more a personal story versus Telema was something about documenting a revolution and uprising that's coming up from the Congo with all the political changes that are happening currently. I find it very amazing that uh, people have so many abilities more than one i've noticed uh you've also done sports uh and you're doing journalism and so forth and like how was uh 
sports, how did it feel doing um, Elikia and you being connected to the sports and you doing basketball? How did you go from doing basketball and then doing filmmaking and then bringing those two worlds together? Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I started playing ball at a very young age. Um, well, I was about 11 years old and I started playing basketball. Growing up in a house with um, all boys, you kind of just have to <laughs> get in where you fit in. And um, so I I played basketball at a young age, and it was just part. It was just something that I did. It never occurred to me that hey, you can get a scholarship to go to school for this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kept at it, and then one thing led to another. I I was able to get a scholarship to play basketball, but I, I feel like I was always a writer. I was always um, when we first moved to the states. Um, my mother would make us, uh, not make us, encourage us <laughs> to read books and um, write summaries about him in English. This is when I didn't speak English. So um, I would just force myself in battle with the language, and slowly but surely I, I learned how to speak English, and I learned how to have a love for writing and reading. Um, so I was always, you know, a writer. I was always a storyteller, and basketball uh, was part of me from a really young age. So I think I just grew in both of those fields simultaneously. You know, so when um, I reached a point where I was done with college and I and I wasn't playing basketball anymore, I still had that love for the game. So um, in any in any situation that allowed me to use both sports and journalism, you know, that's that's something that I wanted to do. So. Um, I was able to pursue that, and uh, Elikia is just an example of that. You know, it, it molded those two worlds that I love so much, basketball, especially women's basketball that doesn't get as much uh, attention as it should, um, and then, you know, being able to bring my journalism background to it and tell yeah. a story that I thought really needed to be told. You know, um, these, these young women were really resilient, and, um, you know, I thought that it was a story that, that should be shared. So. I'm just lucky to have been able to have the opportunity to kind of, you know, blend those two passions of mine um, for that film. So where are these young women that you feature on your film, uh, Elikia? Where are they now? Yeah, well, they uh, they went to uh, Arizona Western College. After graduating from Arizona Western, um, some of them stayed in Arizona. Some of them have gone back uh, to Congo to help. Um, some of the girls who were on the Congo team, some the ones who were younger, like the main character, Losmi, is now in the United States playing ball. So um, okay. it kind of went in a lot of different ways. But um, I'm just fascinated that um, the ones that said, hey, just because I came to the U.S. doesn't mean that I you know, don't care about my country anymore. I'm going to go back. I'm going to use the skills that I learned and help in any way that I can. And they're living that truth. So... Um, yeah, these these young women are really really amazing, and um, I was just lucky to be able to um, you know uh, do a documentary about them. So, Sarah, I have a, a a question for you. As I'm listening to you talk about these young amazing women who came from Congo, uh, when you just look at the struggle that's in the Congo, and they were able to come to the USA and make something of themselves, we have a lot of young Congolese children, women who are currently going to school and may be ambitious in doing some of the things that you've done, whether it be in the sport field, uh, doing basketball or journalism. What are some words of encouragement you can give some of our listeners so that they can know that, you know what, I might be going through some hard times right now, but there's hope at the end when we're speaking of a term such as Elikia. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd say um, uh, know, know why you're doing it, know why you're starting, you know. What is it that you want to do? Um, have that conversation with yourself. And, um, you know, if, if that reason is always pure and if that reason is always, 
you know, a positive thing. Um, I think, you know, you just surround yourself with the right people. You rely on an amazing support system like the one that I have, um, you know, great parents, uh, great friends, great family, um, and just put, put your dreams into action. As long as you're doing it for the right reasons, as long as your reasons are pure, um, I think that hard work and determination will, you know, allow you to have your dreams come true. I think that if you are working um, for a positive um, for a positive outcome, I think the universe works in accordance with you. Mm-hmm. So, so if you are putting, if you're putting your all something, um, I, I honestly don't think that you can fail if your reasons are, are true and, and are pure. I know for me, like, um, some of the frustrations I've even had, even with what I do is, you know, when you look at what's going on uh, in Congo, you know, here you are, you see the potential of Congo and the beauty of Congo. And you just want to shout to the whole world, you know, look at this beautiful place. We should all be there. We should all invest in there. We should all, you know, go visit. Um, It can be very frustrating uh, when you find yourself doing so much work and not seeing instant results. What do you do during those moments where you're not seeing instant results to keep you ambitious and to keep you going in those moments <laughs> it's funny that you ask that because i'm the most impatient person that i know mm-hmm. so um, i'm always in those moments where i where I, especially when you're working on a film that is not going to be completed for a while you're constantly like you want to see the results immediately you want to see you know these young people being highlighted immediately you want to see um the stories of these youth activists in congo risking their lives to do um, to bring significant, tangible change to their country. You want to see that stuff immediately, but, but you can't. So what I do, I just um, trust the work. I trust the process. You know, I pray. I, um, I rely on my support system to kind of um, get me through those kinds of times. But, yeah, I just, I just trust, the, trust the system, trust the, the outline that I've laid out for myself. I know that eventually um, people will know. You know, as long as I'm doing my part, as long as you're doing your part and everybody else, um, that cares about the Congo is doing their part. I think eventually people will know and people will um, be moved to act in, in in any capacity. Well, so that brings us back to what I'm curious about: uh, basketball. Um, it was good to hear you mention that. You know, very r- rarely uh, people look into uh, women's basketball, uh, especially in the United States. Uh, who have been some of your idols? Um, including Congolese women basketball players in the United States and others. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about women's basketball, especially Congolese women's basketball, you can't not mention the name um, Wadi Mabika. And she was, you know, one of my idols growing up. But so was uh, Lisa Leslie, um, the Hall of Famer. Um, So was, you know, my aunt uh, Christiane. My aunt Christiane Mukendi was actually the first uh, woman who... I looked up to as far as the basketball was concerned because she was the only woman in my family who played ball and and wow. I thought that was really dope and I didn't start playing basketball until I had left the Congo but I have that image in my mind of uh, my aunt she played for the national team the Congolese national team so um, it's in my genes you know <laughs> but um but yeah so those are some of the people and obviously you can't mention Congo basketball even though he's not um, even though he's a man it's became been with them, but you can't mention yeah. basketball. In Congo, without saying the name, became Mutombo. But I'm constantly inspired by those people, and also, you know, the uh, the young ones too. Uh, Emmanuel Mudiay, uh, who's going to play in Denver right, um, this year. So I'm, I'm motivated and inspired by all these um, Congolese athletes, kind of putting us on the map and shedding light on our country. 
Yeah, and uh, we now have uh, Dikembe Mutembo in the NBA Hall of Fame, uh, yeah. which is really, I think he's the, f- the first Congolese to be in the NBA Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is, yeah. Fascinating. As I'm listening to you talk about the different uh, beauties of Congo, um, I know that you had an opportunity. We had a, a guest last week by the name of Alisa Lagamo who was talking about Congo power and majesty. And you had an opportunity to go to this exhibit, which is currently showing in uh, New York at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. What was your take on it? And, um, you know, did you, what, what, what was your feel when you were there? Yeah, to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. um, it was bittersweet because... Uh, walking through that exhibit, I thought about how um, in Kinshasa, the museums don't have art from the 1800s. You know, they um, a lot of our art was stolen, uh, burned, destroyed. So it was a bittersweet feeling um, knowing that a lot of our art is in Europe somewhere, in the United States somewhere, you know, because uh, the Congo has been robbed and pillaged in the way that it has. With that said, though, um, it was beautiful. I mean, the artwork itself, it gave me pride, you know, to know that my ancestors were capable of this. Some of the uh, pieces, some of the sculptures moved me to tears, you know. Um, so it, it was definitely a bittersweet feeling, but um, I think they did a great job gathering all of, all of those things. And, and I think it, in a, in a, uh, on a broad scale, I think it sheds positive light on Congo. But if you are Congolese or if you're African, period, I think it, it, it hurts you a little bit to, to know that a lot of, you know, your history um, has been tarnished in this way. Definitely. I remember um, <clears throat> part of the conversation we had last week, uh, Lisa Lagama was mentioning some of these pieces that actually go far beyond the 1800s. We have pieces that are from the 1500s right. and uh, that right. go all the way back. And I did ask the question regarding, uh, you know, will we be able to see some of these exhibits uh, in Kinshasa? And she had mentioned the security and so forth. So we as Congolese, you know, these are just some ideas I thought of uh, after the show. Why not, if we can't bring these original pieces to Congo, do photo exhibits in the Congo or put, uh, you know, yeah. I think it's up to us. We can either sit and say, you know, we should have had these pieces or we can do something about it. And maybe we can't take the original pieces, but maybe write a book about it. Because yeah. uh, as far as I know, a lot of these pieces, there's no books that have even been written about it because it's just it's the first time that you really have some of this stuff coming out. And um, I would look forward to to see some of your work talk about uh, Congo beyond, you know, the 1800s, because we have a lot of people who are interested in knowing who they are and when you're talking about the work that you do, knowing your roots is really essential. And when we're speaking of roots, what, how do you keep in touch with your roots? Well, I mean, I, I don't have a choice. I have a big, big family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we are always constantly talking to each other. So, But um, even deeper than that, you know, most of my family is in Congo right now. Um, some of us live in Europe, some of us, you know, live all over the world, but most of my family is in Congo, so I have no choice but to, you know, I'm constantly talking to my family um, who, who's there right now and, um, you know, just constantly staying in the loop with things, but um, I think it's important to, it keeps you grounded and it keeps you um, true to who you are to, to, you know, be in touch with your family. I think that's a given and I think uh, it's a it's a characteristic of um, our culture, I think. We're big we're big on family like most cultures but I think the Congo has something special when it comes to family like um, you know I know that I can go anywhere in the world if there's a Congolese person there um, you know just by knowing that we're both from the same place I'm sure that they would let me you know stay in their apartment stay in their house for a night if I needed to you know that's the kind of warm and loving people that we are 
Um, so, so yeah, I think it's it's critical to stay true to your roots and stay true to um, you know your family. Well, I really want to hear um, a little bit more about such things like, you know, what are your favorite foods? What are your favorite memories of the Congo? But before we do, uh, let's take a short break and we're going to make it a little bit more fun. And uh, for our listeners who are listening in, make sure you give us a call at 410-481-1010. And you can participate in this conversation and you can ask Sarah whatever questions you may have.
back to Congo Live. You were just listening to Trésor Iziki, a Congolese artist based in South Africa, singing Mount Everest, a love song that reminds us of the innocence of the youth, where energy and courage is a natural feeling. And this indeed is the energy and courage of the youth, not only in the Congo, but the entire world. And we have Sarah, who's on the show with us, Sarah Kazadi, and we have Kambali Musavuli. And for our listeners who want to participate and you didn't have a chance to grab that pen and write the number, the number is 410-481-1010. And welcome back, uh, Sarah Kazadi. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. We were just discussing um, your connection with the Congo, and uh, I I always ask this question. I'm sure people who always listen to the show, what what is your favorite food? You know, I, I love Congolese food, so I always have to hear like, what is your favorite food? Well, I mean, I, I keep it simple. I love uh, pondu. I love makila. I love makemba. Ah, uh, okay, tina makila. Yeah. Oh my god, good makila is like, come on, it's really good. Kamundele, um, like everybody else, you know. I like to eat, so I, I basically like a lot of things. <laughs> so as you think about uh, Congo and you growing up, what are some of your fond memories? Well, I remember, you know, um, we would we would be at my grandfather's house. My grandfather had a really big house. Um, he was a diplomat. Mm-hmm. So all of, and, and he had, he had uh, 17 kids. So all of his grandkids, me and all of my cousins, uh, we would all be, you know, sitting around in the kitchen, all of us, a big circle, sharing meals, you know, those memories are so vivid to me because, um, A, they're my, my earliest, some of my earliest memories, but I, I look at that and it just reminds me of family, it just reminds me of chords, such as like a very um, deep part of me, just, um, it touches my core, because at my core, that's what I am. I'm a girl from Congo who's just here trying to make um, my family proud, um, you know, I'm a result of the sacrifices of all these people, my grandparents, my parents, um, my my brothers, my my friends, everybody. So. Um, some of these girls that you had mentioned that are, are uh, coming from the basketball camp and are currently, they came here for basketball, do they have that same privilege where they have an opportunity to connect with people back home? And who do they usually stay with when they are here in the USA? Yeah, so when the young women um, travel to the U.S. to play ball, they're taken care of um, through a scholarship. So they normally stay, you know, on campus. Um, uh, you know, they're set up with a room, and they get their room and board paid for, So and all their tuition paid for as well. So, But, I mean, it's tough to come to a new country and try to, um, you know, simulate and learn the new ways and learn the language and all that. So I um, I really think that they're... You know, they still have to fight once they get here. Even though they have a scholarship, there's still a lot to do. Um, so that's that's basically yeah. They're on their own. They have the team and the the coaches that are you know obviously there to help them. But a lot of it is them being on their own and trying to figure it out. Yeah. So you've done work in sports and you're a journalist. And I'm kind of curious um, about your career uh, working at CBS, writing articles, even the the New York Times article was really, really insightful. And thank you uh, for getting that story out. I wanted to know some of the um, challenges that you face as a black woman, as a Congolese woman into media, and some of the things that you actually love about your profession as a journalist. Uh, um, Thank you, first of all. Thank you for saying that. Um, 
Wow. So being a black woman in America, period, is a is a tough experience. Uh, Malcolm X said it best when he said that you know the most disrespected uh, person in America is the black woman. Um, with that said, though, um, you know I kind of look at all the obstacles as opportunities. You know I look at all the challenges as opportunities. I, I don't have to sit here and explain to you guys, um, you know, all the obstacles set up against us i'm sure that you guys are well aware but i I always you know try to look at those things as okay how do i overcome this how do i you know kind of with all that said put my armor on and face the day in a positive way um so i try to not be held back by some of these systems built to you know uh, shut you down or uh, oppress you um but as far as like what i you know what i love about my my work it's you know, at the at the basis of it, I'm I'm getting to tell stories. I'm getting to meet really interesting people and present their stories to other people and let them, you know, kind of make up their own decisions about them. Um, I'm able to cover events or cover, you know, things that are happening in in our world right now that and present people with that information and allow them to make up their own mind. So I'm just a vessel and. Um, you know, I don't know. I think it's a privilege. You know, I'd really cherish that responsibility to be able to do the, the kind of work that I do. Um, no two days are ever the same, um, which is what I really love about my job, um, my career. So, yeah, I'm still, and by no means do I have it all figured out. You guys are making me sound like someone who is like a <laughs> You are. You're, well, you know, no. we're proud of you, man. We <laughs> got a root really, for you. I really do appreciate it, but uh, from for myself I know that by no means I have it all figured out I'm learning every day I'm trying to get better every single day and um, yeah it's fun it's, it's a journey for sure well that's definitely uh, always important when you think about our culture uh, the sense of community you know that's what we're here we're here to support the work that you're doing and to encourage you in what you're doing because we know uh, it's important to see Congolese uh, youth and young women doing something that's so meaningful in the community and we have a new generation of children growing up we want them to look up to you because a lot of people may know you and there's a lot of people who may have never heard of you and we want to make sure we access uh, some of these people and speaking of accessing people we have a caller and we have um, Maggie, who's on the line, and uh, Maggie, welcome to Congo Live. How can I help you? Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I want to thank your guest. You can repeat her name again because I didn't get her full name. Sarah Kazadi. That's K A Z A D I. Well, you can do it for me when I get off. Not a problem. Thank you. For for other listeners as well. But what I wanted to say is I do appreciate her quoting Malcolm X because that is one quote I have never heard before. Uh, the most disrespected woman in America is the black woman. Of all the reading I do, and Malcolm is someone I love dearly, so I really, really uh, thank you for that, uh, Lady Congolese. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do want to remind you of the uh, bonobos in your country, the bonobo chimpanzees. Uh, you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. we're trying to figure out what the question is. Well, no, I wanted to share that. I wanted to thank her for what I've already received, mm-hmm. and I wanted to share that you have the beautiful um, story of the bonobos that the scientists are so impressed with, and they now call them the great apes. 
Did you know that? I actually, I think I, we've ha- uh, you may have called us before and mentioned yes, about the bonobos. Yes, I did. And um, I want to know, what do you know about the bonobos? Because, you know, we're from the Congo, so we, you know, we know about our, our culture. We know about which our, what animals ex- exist within our country and the environment. I want to know a little bit about what, what do you know so maybe okay. we can teach you a few things. Okay. What I know about them, or let's say what I was uh, told about them and I was so very impressed with, is what the maternal did with an orphan um, cub who she took into her uh, tribe of um, cubs. And she used a level of psychology that uh, just knocked the um, Western scientists off of everything they thought they knew about chimpanzees and, you know, um, how uh, apes behave and thinking of them as having always a bully environment. And they taught, no, there is also the peaceful environment of the bonobos. And when you said the motherland, Mm-hmm. That is why they honored the mother, the maternal, in their order. Well, I definitely, I, <laughs> I definitely know that the bonobos also have, uh, to some degree, a capacity of understanding language. There's actually research being done on that, and there was a small documentary on NPR News. If you ever get a chance, uh, you should listen to it. Um, I saw that. That's 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 where. Uh, uh, okay. Either it's an update or it is the one that I saw because I fell in love with them. So if you say Congo, I love Zaire, and I don't know why they changed the name, but when you talked about the people and their behavior (laughs) and misrepresentation, uh, if they return to themselves, they don't have to change, return to themselves. It's like all of us around the world need to return to our natural selves. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for calling Congo Live, and we'll make sure that we try to squeeze in a little show about the bonobos and the environment of Congo when we're talking about the Virungas and so forth, but we're going to get a little bit back into our show. Thank you so much for calling. And uh, Sarah, back to the show. Have you ever had a chance to see the bonobos when you were in Congo? Speaking of them? I did not. Um, Now I'm going to the next time I go. Oh, it's actually very interesting just uh, in general, uh, the animal species that they are. I think they're the closest uh, animals um, connected to the human species. And they only exist in that region of the world. And I I also caught a little interest, but uh, our caller has always... uh, Made it initiation to always call and remind us of the bonobos. And um, one thing that Kambali was actually mentioning to get back into the subject of uh, the importance of uh, women's roles and uh, what you're doing and so forth. How do you keep Congo alive, um, not just in the work that you do when you're looking at uh, Telema, but even in your work environment? Uh, it, do you mention Congo Live? I know you also have been to Congo and Harlem. We were just briefly speaking about it. Are there other areas where you try to incorporate your community? Your, your co-workers and so forth in Congo? Well, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm learning to do that. I'm learning mm-hmm. to go towards that. The more that I do stories about Congo, because, again, when I first started, I was just kind of covering um, sports here in the U.S. I didn't really, the older I got, the more I started uh, feeling this need, this deep uh, want to cover more stories about the Congo. So as I continue down this path, I think that I'm going to maybe probably find more ways to incorporate, um, you know, Congolese culture and everything. But I think that, you know, my work itself, just being able to tell Congolese stories, I think is the, mo- the most powerful way that I can mm-hmm. be 
of help, and um, that's kind of like the lane that I'm just trying to walk through. Um, I don't I don't consider myself, you know, um, you know, an activist or anyone who's out here trying to, you know, put their own uh, vision to the forefront. I'm just the vessel kind of trying to tell these stories. So, yeah, I'm going to try to continue down that path and, and hopefully um, be able to influence people in a positive way. As we uh, come to the close of the show, um, I want to hear from you. We have uh, young Congolese who listen to the show. I hope you know that. Um, I hope you can share some insight. Um, and the insight that I think would be helpful is around you living in the United States, the platform that you have. Uh, what can they hear from you about uh, the hope of the future of the Congo? Yeah, well, the future of the Congo is extremely bright if we all do our part. You know, even even the kids who came here, I have cousins who came here when they were two months old, you know, have known nothing but the United States of America. Your roots are still in Congo. You know, your 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 core is still in Congo. So um, once you embrace that, when you look at that as a as a beautiful thing and you kind of take on the responsibility of, well, how am I helping my country? What can I do? Um, you know, because you either create or destroy. You know, you either build or you destroy. So I think every day I kind of challenge myself and I, I would uh, dare everyone else to challenge themselves. Like, what am I doing to, to help, you know, and it, it can be minuscule ways. It can be in really, really small ways. But as long as um, you're working towards that path, I think everyone, all of us working together will lead to a to a better Congo. Um, not everybody is equipped to do the same things. You know, um, I think, Kambali, I think you remember uh, you had invited me to um, meet Dr. Dennis McQuaige. And um, one of the things that he told me, because I remember, you know, being just so flabbergasted is the fact that he was sitting next to me telling him how much of a hero he is and, you know, how, how great he is and how much I admire his work. And he told me, listen, you don't have to do everything that I'm doing. You know, you, you, do, you do your part. You help how you can help. You know, I've, and, I've, and I've, you know, kept those words, and I hold those words very dear to me. So, yeah, I think that if all these young people, even the ones who live most of their life outside of the Congo, if they have a passion and a love for Congo, that passion can be translated into action, and that action can lead to a stronger country. Well, we're so glad to have you on the show today, Sarah Kazadi. It's always a pleasure to hear from a Congolese sister, share a little bit about uh, your experience in the Congo. And uh, I wish you the best of luck in anything you may need from us. You know, we're right behind you. We're constantly rooting for you. And uh, we want to encourage you to keep up the good work. Thank you. Um, I I was just going to mention one Mm -hmm. thing. No, not a problem. Um, please, if anyone listening, if you would please go to telemafilm.com. It's T-E-L-E-M-A film.com. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the film that I'm working on right now that we spoke on, uh, that we spoke about before, about the youth movement um, and their role in the 2016 elections. I would love for you guys to go check out the website, um, find out how you can get involved, and just um, help me tell this story. I think that, you know, it's going to be a mutual effort. And I think that all of us will benefit in the end. So I just have to give that shameless little plug in there. No, no, not a problem. We'll make sure that we add that on our Congo Live uh, Facebook page for the listeners who didn't get an opportunity to catch that. We'll make sure we add that on and uh, also put it on our page. Thank you so much. And we'll make sure that uh, we support all the work that you're doing. And you're always welcome back. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be on the show. I really appreciate all the work that you guys are doing. It's really important. So thank you. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Bye-bye. And thank you to Kambale, Kambale, 
for being on the show and thank you to Lobangi Munyanya of Tabilulu Productions, our Congo Live producer, Tishé, the Congo Live engineer, and to our listeners and supporters, we look forward to hearing from you next week. Zali, 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 Zali,